Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. Another edition of Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. The Andrew Lawton Show on Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. It is Valentine's Day and I will not serenade you because there is nothing that will suck the romance out of any situation than me singing or so my wife reminds me. But I will say I hope you are all having a wonderful Valentine's Day. It's not even a real day unless you decide to make it one. And I'm very fortunate that my lovely wife was raised in a funeral family where flowers were ubiquitous. So flowers have no special meaning to her, which means I'm off the hook on having to wait in line between, uh, you know, behind like every other man in southwestern Ontario trying to buy flowers on Valentine's Day. So uh, to the folks I didn't see in line at the florist, haha, suckers, I'm in the clear. But uh, in all seriousness, it is also the one-year anniversary of Justin Trudeau's Valentine to People Who Love Freedom, the invocation of the Emergencies Act. And I wanted to do a bit of a different type of show here and one that is a bit more reflective in nature. Looking back at the one-year anniversary, not only of the Emergencies Act, but also looking ahead to the big news that's going to be coming next week, which is the Public Order Emergency Commission's final report, which will ultimately, we hope, not necessarily, and I'll explain this in a moment, but we hope explain why the invocation of the Emergencies Act by the federal government was unjustified. However, however, I want to make a point here that I cannot stress enough, which is that it is important, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is that Canadians have, I think, who care about this anyway, Canadians have been looking and wanting the truth. We've been wanting Justin Trudeau to have to pay for deciding to suspend civil liberties, deciding to do everything apart from admitting he was wrong, everything apart from meeting with the protesters that brought a message to Ottawa. We all want this to be the silver bullet that either vindicates us or shows he was wrong or triggers the downfall of his government. The emergencies Act was a big problem and it required this commission that we covered at True North back in October, November to look into it. But this thing is not going to be the end of Trudeau. And if you are hoping it will, you are sorely mistaken. And contrary to other people, I actually thought Commissioner Paul Rouleau was very fair. I thought he was, uh, certainly he indulged both sides equally. It was not an adversarial process. So this is not an indictment of him. It's that right now he is going to be publishing a report that comes with no penalty. There's no criminal wrongdoing that he will find. There's no civil wrongdoing that he will find. And more importantly, the only consequence could be a political one. And the NDP has already said it's going to continue to support Justin Trudeau, irrespective of what's in the report. He's already said in an interview, I think it was on CTV, that yeah, the report could find the invocation was unjustified, but he's still going to keep backing the Liberals regardless, because that has nothing to do with anything that's going on. So all of this is to say that I am looking for what the commissioner finds, and I think it will very much inform future uses of the Emergencies Act, but at the same time, it's not going to be what a lot of people want it to be, and it will not trigger this grand reckoning in this country unless Canadians decide it needs to be something that matters, unless Canadians decide that they want to take this document and turn it into a tool 
for political accountability. And here's the problem, is that we have a prime minister right now that has been found to have violated ethics rules on a number of occasions. He's violated the ethics rules. He had the vacation with the Aga Khan's private island. He's helped out his friends, his ministers, his MPs. They've all been found guilty of a number of these ethics rules. And every time what happens, we get the same boilerplate statement, which is that this was a learning opportunity for all of us. We can all do better. We'll move on. Kumbaya, yada, yada, yada. Bob's your uncle next. And we all move on. We all forget about it. This is a big deal, but it's one that I have no doubt if it goes the wrong way for Justin Trudeau, he will do the same thing, which is, well, here's the statement. And you can actually probably write this down, and it's going to be very close to what Justin Trudeau says if this document comes out and indicts him the way that it should. He'll say, well, we didn't have a roadmap for this. We didn't have a rule book. We used the information that we had available, and one of the reasons we were so enthusiastic about this process and why we were so transparent is because we wanted this to guide us in future governments so that they don't have to do what we did, which is fly in blind, so that they have more information than we had, and we welcome this. All right, I did it all wrong. Um... So um, we um, didn't uh, have um, the, um, and I was water box uh, drinking juice water bottle and the emergency, oh no, sorry, no, that's a different speech. I was reading the wrong speech, my apologies. But that's going to be the problem. He's going to come out and say this is a learning opportunity and now we know and whoopsie daisy, didn't matter too, too much. Uh, we all just learn, we live and let live, we move on. There's going to be no contrition and you can take from that uh, what Justin Trudeau has already said, which is, remember this clip when he talked about how serene he feels, how at peace he feels about his decision to invoke the Emergencies Act? The responsibility of a prime minister is to make the tough calls and keep people safe. And this was a moment where the collective advice of cabinet, of the public service, and my own inclination was that this was a moment to do something that we needed to do to keep Canadians safe. And knowing full well that this was an inevitable consequence of me signing, I agree, uh, on this note, um, I was very comfortable that we were at a moment where this was the right thing to do. And... We did it. And it is a certain amount of comfort that, first of all, the system is working as it should, that people who are defending civil liberties are able to say, you really should be careful about doing this, maybe you shouldn't have done it, that we have a system pushing back on this, because it's a big thing, not a small thing to do this. But that also, we were able to solve the situation with it that there was no loss of life. There was no uh, you know, serious violence. That we were able to get neighborhoods back under control, uh, border, uh, border services opened, and um, there haven't been a recurrence of these kinds of illegal occupations uh, since then. I'm 
not going to pretend that it's the only thing that could have done it, but it did do it. And that colors the conversations we're having now uh, with the fact that these could be very different conversations. And I am absolutely, absolutely serene and confident um, that I made the right choice in agreeing with the invocation. Serene and confident that he made the right choice. So that does not, again, strike me as something that will be shaken regardless of what Commissioner Paul Rollo finds. Now, anyone who was in Ottawa when the Freedom Convoy protests were dismantled a few days after the Emergencies Act uh, came into play will know there was nothing serene about that. You had uh, people like Alexa Lavoie, the rebel reporter that was shot in the leg with a tear gas canister. Uh, yours truly, who was on the receiving end of a uh, hefty dose of the pepper spray. Uh, you can see a, a picture of that there. Believe it or not, some police officer uh, working on Justin Trudeau's orders, I thought that this face of mine needed to be more puffy and more bloated than it already was. So that was the uh, image that you all had to suffer through as I had to suffer through that as well. Oddly enough, still less painful to be pepper sprayed than to have listened to Justin Trudeau try to justify the Emergencies Act. So take from that what you will. Uh, but all of this is to say that this is not a situation that Canadians should forget. And I, I wrote a, an issue of my Substack earlier, which is uh, the very creatively titled Andrew Lawton Substack. And I, I was trying to reflect a little bit. So I, I shared last week that I was down with illness for a few weeks after I got back from, uh, from Davos, Klaus Schwab's parting gift, I've called it. And I had some time to reflect on my hands. And, and there was a surreal quality that I said I had sort of felt when I thought back about things that had happened over the last three years, when I thought back about the fact that, wow, we put caution tape around playgrounds and told people not to play on them. Wow, we uh, forced seniors to hug and kiss each other through basically like hazmat suits. Wow, we, we find people who dared to have an extra person at the dinner table, an illegal gathering. We threatened to fine people in Quebec for not being vaccinated. We banned unvaccinated people from air and rail travel. When you rhyme off this stuff, which is very fresh and very raw for a lot of people, for other people, it's like, oh, wow, we, we, our government actually went there. That was real. That wasn't a bad dream. That actually happened. And the Freedom Convoy is... The flip side of that, it, it's similarly surreal for a lot of people because it was such a departure from what life had been for the two years prior. And I've often remarked in speeches about this that Canada is not a country that has baked into its national DNA, its collective DNA, a sense of rebellion or revolution. The United States was born of revolution. The idea of rebelling against tyranny, speaking up against authority, that's a part of the American existence. Canada is the contrary. We're a, a country that was almost an accident of history, if you learn about how confederation took place. We're a country I think we should be tremendously proud of, but we're not a country built of revolution. So we don't have that. When Canadians stand up, as they did one year ago, one year plus, you know, two weeks ago, when Canadians stand up, that's a big deal. And it was a watershed moment in Canada. It was a watershed moment in the pandemic. And I had a little bit of delight when the book I wrote about this, The Freedom Convoy, The Inside Story of Three Weeks That Shook the World, got uh, recategorized on Amazon 
from a politics book to a history book at one point. And they, they moved this around, so I, I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, but I was, I was watching this, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, one day I was a bestseller in politics, and the next day I was like the bestseller in Canadian history. And I, I, an old history professor of mine uh, was quite jealous because his uh, books never made it to the history bestsellers list. Uh, but mine apparently did. And the reason is because I think there was an understanding that this was a mo- this was history in the making when it was happening. The Emergencies Act was similarly history in the making, and not a good kind of history. This is not a history that we'll look back on and be proud of. It's not one that I think Justin Trudeau should look back on and feel serene about in any way whatsoever. And if you listen to those comments, I won't make you suffer through them again, but if you listen to those comments he made, he was talking about, well, it worked. And a lot of the defenders of the Emergencies Act, if you really break through their arguments, they don't have a response to what about trampling on civil liberties? What about this being used against people you agree with? What about this? What about that? They don't have an answer because they don't care. Their argument ultimately comes down to, I didn't like the truckers. The Emergencies Act came into place. A few days later, the truckers were gone. So there is a Machiavellian defense that you see in here, which is now the government's sole defense for this. Justin Trudeau saying right there, well, it worked. It got rid of them. They were there. We did it. They weren't there. So I don't want to rehash the Public Order Emergency Commission because we're one year out from the Emergencies Act, which means there should have been time for reflection that goes beyond just the nitty-gritty minute details about, well, how much can a heavy tow truck tow and could this tow truck have done it? And if a tow truck is driving east on Wellington Street at uh, 40 kilometers an hour and a big rig is parked, how, at, what, at, what, at what point does the sun intersect? No, there was none of that. We need to talk about the big picture here which is that Justin Trudeau decided that rather than admit he had been wrong, wrong about vaccine mandates, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about the divisiveness, wrong about his rhetoric, instead of admitting he had been wrong, which is what his protesters that went to Ottawa from all across the country were saying, he doubled down on the rhetoric, he doubled down on the mandates, and then he, I would say, tripled down by deciding that you do not have the right to protest him on the streets of Ottawa if he doesn't like you. And this is basically what it comes down to. Justin Trudeau did not support the right to protest his government. He took an approach that he never would have with Indigenous protesters, that he never would have with any other group of protesters. I I should say that there were a huge number of Indigenous protesters in the Freedom Convoy. It just wasn't an Indigenous protest in the sense like some of the anti-pipeline blockades ostensibly are. But he decided that you did not have a right to take a stand against his government. And there was a, a unity In the Freedom Convoy that I pointed out in my newsletter that cut across political lines, it cut across religious lines, racial lines, regional lines, the old story I've told of the Quebec separatists and the Alberta separatists hugging each other and partying in the streets. This is a silly moment, but it's not silly if you think about it, because what else can unite Quebec nationalists and Alberta nationalists? But the Freedom Convoy did. And the Freedom Convoy united people in a way that Justin Trudeau certainly didn't. 
The Justin Trudeau's rhetoric about why should we tolerate these people, his rhetoric about, well, these people may have a right to be unvaccinated, but they don't have a right to get on a plane and spread the virus. That All of the rhetoric that we've gotten from this government, which was divisive, was answered by the unity of the convoy. And, and if you talk to real Canadians about it, there was a huge amount of support. I, I mean, my anyone who covered the convoy, there, there's something we don't often talk about because it sounds weirdly self-aggrandizing, but anyone who tweeted about the convoy, who posted about it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, following just went through the roof through that period. Like my Twitter followers went up astronomically. And no, it wasn't all Russian bots. Maybe, you know, Olaf and Boris were in the followers, but it was real people from Canada, from the US, from the UK, from Australia that were wanting to know what the heck was happening and didn't trust the mainstream media to give them a sense of it. And the reason was there was such this huge appetite. And, and when I looked at the messages I was getting, every now and then you click on the profile. And, you know, it used to be that if I get a message from someone that said, oh, I love your show, I'd click on their profile. And it's, you know, proud conservative Christian Canadian. And that's absolutely fine. I, I love it. But the people that were following my content during the convoy, I would click on their protest and it was like, you know, lefty, earth-loving homeschool mom or some variation of that. It would be, you know, stoner for life. It would be uh, all of these weird, different, disparate groups of people that have never been part of the same political movement in their lives. But we're all coming together under this. And the Canadians that hated it, the Canadians that hated what the convoy stood for, overwhelmingly were the poster boys of This Is Your Brain on CBC. They were consumers of a mainstream media narrative about the convoy that was not just slightly wrong, but that was just blatantly and brazenly false. And this is why the convoy became a Rorschach test, a national Rorschach test where you could look at it and two people could look at it and see vastly different things because the lens through which people were viewing this thing was very heavily tinted by the government narrative, the CBC narrative, the CTV narrative, the global narrative. And some of the reporters that went in earnestly and just, I think, had real conversations, there were examples of them, but they were relative minorities in a landscape that overwhelmingly committed to a narrative before the trucks even got to Ottawa and was unafraid to be taken off that narrative. And that was why it was independent media's time to shine, because people wanted a sense of truth. They wanted to know what was happening. And you couldn't look at what was happening and then what became the government's response to this without seeing that it was not what government said it was. And here, for example, is Justin Trudeau claiming that the Emergencies Act did not suspend fundamental rights and freedoms. Are you drawing a distinction there between, okay, the premiers may say it's under control here, but that doesn't mean it's under control everywhere. So they would have had to come to you with something that would have solved the big problem as you saw it. Is that? Um, I think there just would have been a sense that, that the measures I was proposing weren't going to be useful or effective. And what I heard on the contrary uh, was uh, concerns that we'd shared that this might inflame the protesters to declare a public order emergency and bring in martial law, um, which was 
one of the concerns or that they, we, they would interpret it as that. Of course, it wasn't martial law and it did not suspend people's fundamental rights and freedoms. Um, but it, it, at the same time, um, they expressed these concerns, which we had shared, uh, but I was balancing off against, okay, um, there is a danger of, of further uh, inflaming the situation. But the situation was already pretty inflamed, and my concern was if we continue to not do anything, uh, are enough citizens going to start counter-protesting and taking things into their own hands uh, at various places across the country? Now, before I offer any commentary on that, let me just shift to another clip here. Of That one you just saw, by the way, was not beforehand. This was after the fact. He's had time to reflect. He's seen all the evidence. He knows exactly what happened. That was in November of 2022. Take a look back to February 2022. Uh, actually, this video took place almost seconds before I was pepper sprayed, and it will give you a sense of exactly how fundamental freedoms were protected. Specifically, look for the woman who ends up on the ground in this video. Oh, come on through. Come on through. What is happening here? Wow. What is this lady doing? Trampling. Trampling horses. Struggling. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, my God. They just trampled this lady. They just trampled that lady. They just fully trampled that lady. They just fully trampled that lady. When I said earlier, there's a surreal quality to all of this, that video replays over and over in my mind. And, and again, that, where that video is taking place, right off to the left was the Shadow Laurier. That's where I was. It was at that moment that the police horses broke through the formation and police basically shoved people up against the wall. They didn't give them the opportunity to walk back. And uh, I was caught up in the midst of that, uh, although I didn't get nearly as nasty a treatment as Candace Saro did or as the gentleman in that video, who, as I understand it, has not yet been named. Now, when this first happened, police said, well, there was a bicycle thrown at police horses. That was the comment made. Now, let me tell you, that video has been played more times than I can count. It was analyzed and discussed in the Public Order Emergency Commission hearings. Uh, the moment has been replayed. Police reports have been filed. I have yet to see one single shred of evidence that anything was thrown at police officers, let alone a bicycle. They might have been a little confused. That woman they trampled over, her walker went flying, uh, but that was after the moment took place. So perhaps it could have been that it didn't happen, that the violence against law enforcement, the violence against the government was non-existent. The violence took place against protesters. Everything that Justin Trudeau claimed other people were doing, he was doing. They were not interrupting and interfering with Canadian democracy, he was. They were not threatening the fabric of this country, he was. They were not dividing Canadians, he was. The Emergencies Act was one of the grandest displays of gaslighting and projection that I have ever seen in this country. And Justin Trudeau cannot be allowed to get away with it. And the message in this has to be, never forget. And when I say that, I don't mean dwell on this. I don't mean keep this moment alive. I, I've often remarked that there are a lot of people who never seem to want the pandemic to end. People like that 
uh, doctor who's now a, a trustee in Ottawa that thinks that we should all uh, basically wear N95 masks uh, when we're in the shower alone or something like that. But uh, the people like that never want the pandemic to end. They derive great power and great purpose from it. And, and there are people on the other side that I think have been immersed in this convoy world that have a nude sense of purpose for themselves that similarly don't want it to end. I'm not saying we shouldn't move on from this. What I'm saying is that we should do as much as we can to distance ourselves from this chapter in the country's history. And part of that is by saying to the government that this sort of thing will not stand, by not making it consequence-free, which is what the liberals are banking on, that you get to just invoke the Emergencies Act and a year later uh, get away without even getting the cursory nominal slap on the wrist, which is what I fear we are headed towards next week. So the call to action here is that when this report comes out, whatever, I mean, read it genuinely. The worst thing we can do is decide before something happens what it's going to be, because that's what Justin Trudeau did to the convoy. So I don't think we should be doing it to the Emergencies Act report that comes out. But genuinely read it. If there's an issue with it, take issue with it. Don't just say the process was biased, but actually identify what the problem was. If you watch the hearings, you'll know that there was no bombshell evidence that came out about an actual emergency. There was no bombshell evidence that came out that said, well, there was truly this uh, national conspiracy. There was this violent group. There was this threat of violence. No, quite the contrary. The whole debate came down to this very niggling technical detail about how to interpret Section 2 of the CSIS Act as it pertains to the Emergencies Act. That was what it all came down to. What is a threat to the security of Canada? And I don't want to rehash this technical debate, but I do think there's a significant takeaway here, which is that when the debate became about a technicality, when the debate became about such a minor detail, it was because the government's overarching narrative that there was this violent white supremacist, racist, neo-Nazi insurrection had already crumbled. The government narrative had already crumbled, which is why it became about legal gymnastics. More, And again, lawyers get paid a lot of money to do legal gymnastics. I'm neither a lawyer nor a gymnast, although I think I'd make a more convincing lawyer than gymnast. But when it comes down to that, it's because they had already lost. So as I look back to this thing one year ago, my overarching message is to live your life as free people. And that was why the protest for me was so powerful. Because the life that convoy protesters wanted was not anything dramatic. They wanted the life of 2019, the one that had been snatched away from them. And it wasn't even really a protest. I mean, yeah, the first weekend there were people with signs that were protesting government, but it just became a, a little world. It became a little world where people just lived the life that had been taken from them. And that's what we all do to win. We live the life that we want to live, and we refuse to cow towards those who wish to take our freedom away. And I'm not one of these people that buys into the idea of pandemic amnesty, of just giving everyone a complete pass on what they've done, certainly for people that were purveyors and promulgators of fear, propagandists of fear, people like Justin Trudeau. Because for them, there needs to be political accountability. And that won't come from the commission. It will come from Canadians. So continue to take a stand, but understand 
what the stakes are. That's my message there. Now, uh, before we end this program, I do want to share with you uh, this documentary that's been put together by our friends at secondstreet.org. It's called Defund Putin, and it basically answers the question of how Canada could cut Vladimir Putin's military budget. Take a look at the trailer. In order to stop Vladimir Putin's war machine, we need to reflect on the old expression, follow the money. It's not a thriving, expanding, growing economy. Russia today is essentially a gas station. Vladimir Putin has been working behind the scenes to sabotage his competitors. Putin and his cronies helped fund the anti-shale gas propaganda that led seven European countries to ban fracking. Do we stand up and help the world wean itself off of Russian oil and natural gas? Or do we keep our resources in the ground and let the world stay dependent on tyrants like Vladimir Putin? That is uh, Colin Craig from secondstreet.org, good friend of mine and of the program and of True North. So you can check out that documentary for free at defundputin.ca. Just before we wrap things up, last show, I was spotted drinking out of this, uh, which is the uh, authentic five-of-a-kind Andrew Lawton Show mug. And I had people asking where they could get one. And we don't actually, you can't, is the whole point of it uh, right now. But if there is really an appetite for it and you want an Andrew Lawton Show mug, let me know and I can like rattle the cage of the powers that be at True North and maybe start a new campaign. We'll do like the uh, Canadian version of Steven Crowder's Mug Club. Although Steven Crowder is Canadian, so maybe that is the Canadian version of it. But we'll do, he's uh, he's sold out because he's an American now. So uh, we'll do the Canadian version of the uh, the Mug Club. I, I trust me when I say I would love to do it. I just don't know like if I'm the one that has to like keep them in my house and ship them all out. So uh, take from that what you will. But in the meantime, it does uh, keep the coffee warm. That uh, does it for us for today. I want to give a big thanks to all of you who tuned into the show. Today, we will be back tomorrow with another edition of Canada's Most Irreverent Talk Show. And do keep your eyes peeled. Next week, we'll have a full breakdown of the Emergencies Act report, the final report from the Public Order Emergency Commission. And if you want to support the work that we're doing at True North, please do head on over to donate.tnc.news. That does it for me. Thank you. God bless. And good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.